It's time for the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. This is the show for all you recruitment marketing rebels out there who are done with posting, prey, and recruitment funnels. Are you ready to bring real change to talent acquisition? Come for the voice of the candidate and stay for the snark. It's time for real talk from the front lines of the talent revolution with your hosts, Alin Bailey and Tracy Parsons. Good morning, Tracy. Afternoon. What time? Right. Is it it, it's three after three uh, East Coast time. So I know it's lunchtime for you. Did you get your lunch yet? <laughs> no. Okay, that's adorable, right? <laughs> that's so cute. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Alin's pinching my virtual cheeks. Sorry, you're so cute. <laughs> you're so cute. Um, I'm like, but no, happy I, New Year, and it's been a long time. I know. Happy New Year. I know. It feels like it's been forever. It's really, we've only missed a couple weeks. We, we took Christmas week off and then um, shifted back a week before we started. But yeah, it feels like forever. I miss my conversations with Tracy. I know. I know. I miss these as well. It gets me, gets me blood pumping. gets me thinking. It, it does. Well, and you know what? I We were just talking about this a second ago. I need to start thinking a little bit. I'm in that, I'm in that New Year's funk. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So I've been in the last week, I've been on eight planes and oh. dealt with two days of the flu. Oh. So the last week is kind of a blur. And uh, I would like to give a give a major shout out and hat tip to my husband and son for holding literally everything together around here. So thank you so much, Steve Parsons. Parsons, You guys are the best. That is very nice. I know my family is just there. I couldn't do it without them. Mm. They just get everything um, in smooth sailing and um, yeah, just, just handle it all. Yeah. It's just this, this new year is um, I, you know, I think it, what was it? I don't, was it, who was I talking to? I feel like I was talking to you, but maybe I wasn't because we haven't (laughs) talked. Um, but somebody was telling me New Year's or this time of year is actually one of the worst times for for depression and being in a funk because you start the new year and you have this expectation that you're supposed to be excited about, you know, like you take you take your break, you know, at the end yeah. of the year and you think you're supposed to be all re-energized when you start. And then after you're back for like a couple of days, you realize you don't have that energy you're supposed to get. And so you're mad at yourself for not being energized. And it's just like this double funk. Well, the days are short. Right. And right. the the letdown from the holiday and the break and the new year and all the celebration, the letdown is such a such mm-hmm. a deep dive. It remind it reminds me of this uh candidate experience map I've been working on that it just looks like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like that huge drop on the roller coaster ride, right? So it's like, oh, so that's where I kind of feel like I am. I'm kind of at the bottom. Yep. Um, yep. but you know what? New year, no place to go but up and that's right. And and so and, and, so it's big, you know, it's, it's actually quite good. And I think these moments when I'm feeling really, uh, in a funk, I just mm-hmm. kind of marinate in it for a little bit and be like, okay, so you're feeling that and that's how you're feeling. And it makes kind of the, the really rousing moments feel all the more rousing. Look at you, Sandra, all inspirational. I try. Like, I, like, uh, like I got it all under control. I can handle all the ups and downs, whatever. <laughs> I, I, can, awesome. I didn't say I liked it. I, I said, I accept it. 
There's acceptance like, and then there's uh, enjoyment. Though are not the same. Okay, well, that's fine. I so I, I agree with you all that. I think we've got to get our energy back, and part of getting our energy back is starting to think about what. So one of my favorite things, right? Um, part of the reason that we do this podcast, and we've all we've always been, you know, part of the reason we do this is because we used to get together and just have these chatty conversations. And part of the reason I love having these dialogues and conversations is I think talking about stuff related to our work and in the recruitment marketing space and the talent acquisition space it's like it's it feels to me like being on gossip girl i just i'm fascinated by it it's very interesting and it gets me all re-energized again so i thought maybe we could spend um, the next few minutes re-energizing each other by thinking about all the great types of conversations we think are going to happen in the recruitment marketing space or talent Mm -hmm. acquisition in general over the course of the next year. I think that there's going to be some new dialogues going on. See, and I think it's going to be the same old, same old. So, and and maybe it's because we've been talking about some of the same topics for a long time and they're Mm -hmm. still not coming to fruition. Um, but you know, you're probably right. I think there's going to be some new things that we talk about, but I think that there's, I, I just feel like we're still not executing some of the things that we've been talking about for years, you know? No, I mean, I think that's true. I mean, I think the, the staples, the things that we have to continue to do or the things that we need to do is kind of like entry gates, the performance places where we need to achieve, those are all going to continue to be the same thing. And they're going to be the same challenges that we've always had, right? Those are just kind of the challenges of doing business in this space. But I mm-hmm. think there are some new frontiers out there that are starting to crack open where I think you're going to start hearing more buzz about. Let me give you one. Give me I, one. I, for example, think that there's going to be some interesting dialogue starting to happen about how recruitment marketing plays in the internal mobility space. Well, that's a soft spot with me. So you know that, right? And um, that was one of the things I had on my list when we when we started talking about the topic. Uh-huh. And I just kind of chalked it up to silos, right? I, so I think I think that right now we currently live in some serious siloed world where when somebody's hired, my job is done. Um, and it's not that way, right? Your job is never done. Um, and I think you're right. I think you're spot on. I think we're going to be talking about, okay, well, when we have, you know, what feels like zero unemployment. We have everybody that has a, that wants a job has a job. How do we prevent them from walking out of our door? And how do we keep them here even when something else looks really shiny on the outside? Right. And as far as I can tell, Lynn, and maybe I'm wrong, and by all means, listeners call bullshit on me, um, it feels like those are usually two separate arms within HR that don't really communicate like the right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing when it comes to employee engagement and, and, and Mm -hmm. recruitment. So I I think that there, I think that you're right. I think we're going to be talking a lot more, but I haven't talking about the, in the context of silos, like why is this happening? Um, And maybe there'll be some solutions around it that are going to come to the market, or maybe there are going to be some solutions that businesses start taking advantage of to help them see what they actually have inside their own walls and then start leveraging that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I do. I think what you're pointing out is exactly where the challenge is, right? Today, they are really kind of two sides of the house. And the reason this conversation hasn't necessarily sparked previously is that these two side of the, sides of the house were able to function somewhat autonomously. Sometimes we would cross over each other and, and it's the annoyance of both of us, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> right. Those moments. I think Get out of my sandbox. <laughs> exactly. Get the crap out of here. What are you doing? I think that now what's 
happen. Like, I mean, websites are a great example of that, right? The intranet mm-hmm. versus the extranet and all that. But I think that what's happening is that with the, this is all in my mind connected to the evolution of data and how data is starting yes. to get leveraged across enterprises. Yes. And now that the capability actually exists to be able to look at somebody's, for example, um, to capture their skills and capabilities, right, and interests at the candidate level, manage that data and carry it all the way through to when they become an employee and then match their evolution of skill development. Now, so, so at the basics, from an internal mobility perspective, because we're able to match those data trails, we're now starting to have open up, reopen up those conversations about how is everybody always a candidate, right? Because it's not like we didn't all kind of understand that, but you couldn't really do the work. Right. Then I think the next layer now is, is because those conversations are starting to happen. If I'm t- talking about in you know, the last two years, the, um, but definitely in the last year, I think I was hearing a lot of conversations starting to perk up from um, other enterprise customers or enterprise um, uh, businesses like ours talking about um, internal mobility just in general, right? Like, how do we solve this internal mobility problem we have? How do we start to really get in there and address it? Because they were seeing it as an option. I think yeah. a nat- I think a natural offshoot of talking about internal mobility and addressing as a real problem will be that aha moment when they realize, well, if we're going to treat internal employees um, to the same level of care or candidate management that we do to external candidates, immediately the conversation starts to go to how do we nurture their mm-hmm. higher ability or their engagement, not just their employee engagement, but their their ability to look inside for work the same they look, way they look outside for work, which means recruitment marketing starts to play in this space. That's why I think it's going to be hot this year. I think people are going to start coming to it, maybe not putting those words around it, but they're yep. going to start talking about how do we nurture internal employees so that they see work in the internal marketplace as being as viable as looking outside. Well, I think you're so right that I'm already developing software around it, so nice. I can't say too much about it. Um, but I absolutely think you're right. And I absolutely think that all of that is we're at a convergence moment uh, of realizing we cannot continue to just dump more names in the top of the funnel. We are almost out of names, people, Um, (laughs) right? We are, we, you cannot keep dumping them and there is no funnel. And we both agree with that, but there is still that notion that somebody has got to come into your process at some, in some capacity and we're, we're running out of names. Um, and, and we already have great names that are doing great things for us, but I mean, I've worked in big companies. You work at a big company. How hard is it to find that opportunity? How do you know when an opportunity is available? You don't, right. And, and they usually focus on those senior and executive levels, but you know what? The institutional knowledge that works, walks out of your door every time a junior employee leaves is nothing to sneeze at. Well, well, right. And if we just if we even go to the next level and start talking about how people are thinking about work differently, part of the yes. drivers around internal mobility is that the idea that somebody is going to stay with your company, right, mm-hmm. for the lifetime of their career is a faulty notion in today's world. So if they're if we know that they're going to leave at some point, how do we keep the door open for them to come back in? And how do we create those that sense of seamless data connection and relationship 
whether they're with us or with somebody else. So anyway, I I think this is, uh, you can already tell, I've been excited already. I think there is a lot to talk about this next year around how does recruitment marketing support and um, be leveraged in the internal space as we start thinking about internal mobility. Yeah. So that was my that was my first one. Got any on 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 your your top list that you're thinking of? Well, and I think I I don't know if this is necessarily new, mm-hmm. um, but I think that there's going to be more conversation around those moments where we are. And I'm so tired of moments, by the way. Um, <laughs> I really am. Uh, I think that there's I think that there are there are going to be um, more conversations this year around when you implement high touch versus when you implement high tech, right? So at what point, at what point do you turn off the bots and automation and start talking to people? At what stage is that? At what level is that? At what kind of talent is that? So I think that there's going to be more conversations happening around relationships and when, when do it, when do they become um, personal relationships versus technical keep warm relationships? I completely agree. So funny, exactly second on my list was automation, but it was exactly from that lens. Recruitment marketing, the door is still wide open in the recruitment marketing space for us to understand how to leverage automation, but leverage it smartly in order to manage relationships. Um, And so I will agree with you. We will have a moment of silence for the word moments. And instead, (laughs) die. Die, die. Instead, we we can start talking about this idea that there is um, a, there is something uniquely human about the idea of relationship to begin with. So, it's a very interesting idea to say recruitment marketing, which is about, in my mind, right, building and engaging relationship, right. It's it's about that managing that relationship at its core. Um, is essentially a human endeavor. Where does automation support it in the right ways so that the humans can be more human? And I know we talk about that in the recruiting space. We spent the last few years talking about how artificial intelligence and sourcing are going to pair up together Mm -hmm. and match. I think this is going to be the year about um, having this conversation in the recruitment marketing space and thinking of new ways technology can and automation can support recruitment marketing. Them. Yeah. And I, I also think this year we're going to have more conversations around the voice of the candidate. Um, and I don't mean personas. I don't mean journey maps. I mean, real, real data, real points of view, real understanding of what it is that they expect and need. And I think I, I don't think we're spending enough time on that, really. I think we I think we always design these processes from what we need. Right. And I think that there's a big missing gap there of what they need. Um, and we very rarely go talk to them. I mean, the candies do a great job of gathering survey data and uh-huh. what they're looking for. But those surveys are are great. But they're from the lens of people who want to participate. You know what? It's so um, I love that you're talking about this because this, I've been on this high horse for a while and I've been challenging myself with this. Right. Because my the whole way I got into this space and, and the way I um, my, my entire lens has been around this idea that you have to talk to people um, in yeah. order to understand what makes them tick. And it has to be open-ended dialogue that allows you to really understand um, what motivates and drives people. And then you can synthesize um, trends and, and behaviors from that. And I, and we, and I've been talking a lot 
about how I noticed over the last few years, everybody got really excited about personas and journey maps. And, um, you know, part of me was really thrilled because woohoo, personas and journey maps, I've been all into this. And this is, I do agree, this is a, a great way for us to put a customer lens on our mm -hmm. work. But we've been doing exactly what you're saying. We've now gotten, we, we, we adapted the basic concept of those items without understanding the real work you have to do to generate them, which really means you have to talk to people. It can't be reliant on your assumptions. Otherwise, what you're doing is building your perception of somebody's journey, your perception of what drives them, and that's not real. Right. right. It's, it's not real. So, yeah, I would love it if we if this year this conversation started to become really serious where we started to talk about what is the real voice of the customer um, and yeah. how do we capture that in a real way? It's I think it's going to become important because I think the piece that I had is kind of connected to do this that I think is going to happen is this new emphasis on or a refocus in the journey space around personalized journeys and that I have personalization. <laughs> right. But it, it's but it's this evolution that says, listen, you can't build one journey map that's going to encompass an entire candidate population. Personalization is now um, a given, a given that you need to have it at some level. Um, it can't be what I call generic personalization, which means, you know, you have like three different personas and you personalize each of those. People are starting to expect real individualized personalization. I don't know how we do that at scale yet, um, but this idea of personalized journeys is going to I, become a hot topic. And I think it's connected to you can't build personalized journeys, so you really start talking to people directly and gathering their direct personalized input to drive what they get in return, their their output or their action. And I don't know what that looks like yet, but I think that's going to be a big topic this year, or at least I hope it is. It's what I'm interested in. Me too. It's it's the one I'm most interested in, and it's really applicable to what I'm working on now. It was really funny. We were walking through um, the the design of a candidate experience from scratch, so there's nothing that exists today. And we're writing we're writing this experience, and we're designing this experience, and and we're taking it down to the different stages. and And it's really funny when you think about something as simple as a phone screen. Yep. Right. Inviting somebody to a phone screen is just a simple yeah. email right now or a phone call. But what could it be? Like, there's so much more, like if you think about it from the voice of the candidate, mm -hmm. right? And you get a call or you get an email that says, hey, I'd like to schedule a phone screen. Do you know how excited they feel? That feels right. amazing, right? And we don't harness that. We just look at this as a one-off email automated communication or a one-off um, unbranded, unpersonalized, unexperience laden thing but this is a big stinking deal to them oh uh, you know you're absolutely right because what we have done is again i think it's a symptom of taking a good thing and then skewing it all backwards and cross-eyed uh -huh. right a good yep. thing which said understand your customers and start to map their journey so that you could figure out the right moments that you can influence or create impact and then mm -hmm. we said oh so i did that now i understand these key moments right that's why that moments mm -hmm. word is like so tricky these days i understand these key moments now let me figure out how i can 
create an experience there for them. And we didn't even say the word experience. We said, how can I intervene at this point? I love that. Mm -hmm. Our Mm -hmm. intervention and our intervention becomes something we can easily manage, which becomes an email or an automated, all this automated workflow business, right? Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for automated workflows. Me too. But it makes us lazy. It makes us go in and say, all I have to do is build the right if-then statements and throw some content up there. And because I theoretically understand these moments of impact for you, um, I'm going to create this journey for you. And we took all the human out of it, all the emotion out of it, all of the personalization, all of the relevance. What does that – I love what you just said. What does that person feel when they get that note? How do you – um, how could you create that in a different, how could you create an, an experience for them that is about getting set up for a phone screen that is unique to what they're getting any place else and makes them go, oh my Whoa. goodness. Whoa. Right. 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 Um, and how do you do that at scale? And I think you can. I think, I think people, people assume being personalized or human or, or driving based on an experience or emotion means that you have to, it's labor intensive. I just think it means being smarter and thinking. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think it, again, it puts that back to what I was saying. It puts the voice of the candidate into the conversation. Right. And again, I don't think that automation has to make us lazy. It can absolutely make us lazy. But if you've ever written me a note while I'm on vacation, you know that there's a lot of thought that goes into that autoresponder. Right. Right. And there's a way to do that. And if, and I know that when somebody's emailing me on my, on, on, and I'm on vacation, that they, they need something from me and I'm not there. So there's a disappointment, right? There's a concern. There's a worry so I have to address that. It's it's how you think about the recipient. And so that's why I think voice of the candidate personalization are going to be really important this year because we're going to continue to get the same crappy results we are currently getting until we do that. Well, right. And if you don't figure out how to do it, you will have no differentiator from the market, mm-hmm. right? Right. Just, just, so again, <laughs> I, I have this uh, thing I, I used to, um, for the last couple of years, people would vet at me and, or yell at me at, at work about, um, you know, oh, we're over, commun- we're going to over communicate with people. And I used right. to say, listen, the day over communication actually becomes a problem for me. Thank goodness. And let's go to the next thing. I actually uh-huh. feel like we're at the thank goodness point. Okay. We're probably over because now we're not communicating with purpose anymore or with or with that. So now we have to get more purposeful and planned and and really think about um, the experience on the other end. And we need to and we need to be more personalized and directive. And so now it's time for us to be a little bit smarter about this, because at least at least now I feel like it's a really rare circumstance, particularly at the enterprise level, where somebody doesn't get some basic automated communication when they when they go through an apply process or when they go through an engagement process like like a a talent network process they're getting something and i'm not saying it's good and i'm not saying that it's relevant i'm not saying it's personalized but i think the baseline experience has up leveled from where it was two years ago so if that's happened everybody's starting to get to that kind of baseline experience you can't you can't continue to to walk down that path and differentiate yourself or create the type of experience that makes you an employer of choice anymore well that was one of my other ones i think there's going to be a lot of conversation this year around how we create brand consistency 
all the way through. Because if you look at most post-apply communications, let's be honest, Uh right? Uh As soon as you get that resume, that application, as soon as you get them to go through that process, all warm and fuzzies cease to exist. Oh, true. We suddenly we suddenly go into transactional automated like like serious transactional mode. You know, bordering I mean, it, on rudeness. Oh, right. <laughs> bordering on rudeness, and they literally look like they came off a dot matrix printer. I mean, yes, I, right. Um, and we think that that's okay because because our focus is to get what we want, and what we wanted was your apply. Now I now I've hooked you. Ha ha! Got you. Yeah, exactly. Now I can just let you waver in the wind there, whatever, you know. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think that that's going to start, we're going to start bubbling that up because I think we're going to see more candidate ghosting. I think we're going to see more offer declines. I think we're going to see a lot of these things. We're going to go, oh, wait a minute. So for, we went from warm and fuzzy to a really gentle middle finger. Oh, maybe we should fix that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I I think, and by the way, I think we're seeing it. I I can tell you in some regions already, um, it's it's a given that that time period between when somebody actually takes and accepts an offer, right, or interviews, right, or accepts an offer to when they start, that you have at this point somewhere in the range of a 60% chance that they may or may not show up. Because they've taken uh-huh. somebody else's offer in between. So we're already starting and they'll tell you nothing. They'll just disappear. Right? And we're starting. Yes, which is which is why in my new experience, I have a whole yeah. section on pre onboard, right? right? So what, what do you need to be doing to ensure that they show up? Exactly. Your, your job is not done. You don't get to like, you know, this idea of, um, again, and I think this goes back to that very first thing I was talking about, which is starting to break down the silos of internal mobility. Uh-huh. Yep. Sarah, but I maybe this is where you were going with the silo thing with with the ability to start. So measurements rule the world. Right. And yeah. I can now measure all sorts of drop points and intersections in the life cycle of a candidate or an individual from interest to hire to retire in ways I never could before because now I have data across this entire life cycle and we're just starting to learn how to pull it all together and to um, create correlations between this data. And so data rules the world. And because the data now exists, all these silos that never used to talk to each other, right? Like I'm the onboarding team, right? And my mm-hmm. data says I'm building these success measures, but crap, I'm failing because you're not doing this thing over in the offer stage, or um, I am the integration manager and I'm now responsible for what happens for the first 18 months of somebody's hire. And I suddenly realized they were given the wrong sales pitch message in the recruiting process. And that's really what's causing my drop-offs in inclusive integration. And so now I'm irritated at you recruiter and now we need to figure out how to work together. So data rules the world. It will break down these silos and it will force all these little silos to start talking to each other to make their data feel better. And that Mm -hmm. in the end is actually going to end up creating more holistic real experiences for the end for the candidate and the employee because, and that will, that will drive that, that network. Sorry. I went on a rant there about data. There's data. Well, Tyler right now is like, 
data. Measurement You're right. Was it's on all about data. It really is. Measurement was on mine because I think that we talk about measurement. If we talk about measurement, I'm not sure how much we're actually measuring. Oh, I don't even, I, I'm, I'm in the middle of a project right now around measurements and um, let's be careful how I say this because I don't want to, um, want to be care. I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I, I'm about, there are moments where I'm just ready to just, you know, lose my mind. And, and part of my challenge here is, is that I am realizing people's understanding of what measurements are for and what they're useful for is completely disconnected from my vision of what measurements are for. I don't know who's right anymore, but I'm starting to feel like, <laughs> you know, somehow we got to be disconnect, right? This idea that measurement is about, like, if I measure something, my entire purpose is to hold somebody accountable because I have the measure. So measures are accountability sticks and they're oh. ways for me to go and beat people over the head versus measurements being ways for me to get insight and information so that I can do things, right? Like I can look at it and go, oh, Oh, no, no. Measurement is for optimization. Right. So I can look at it from, from optimization. Mm. Could look what's happening. Oh, what are my opportunities here? What could I do? What could I shift? What could I improve? What could I iterate? Or which conversations do I need to have with which partners because something's falling down and not connecting here for, for the end product, right? But every time I start to talk about measures, people get so hyperactive about who controls the actual input to that measure. And if they don't have full control, they don't want to measure it because they're afraid they're being held accountable to something ah. that they can't control. That sounds like a big enterprise issue. It is. I, yeah. I, yeah. So I had to come up with a, I had a whole set of taglines about two years ago um, that drove the initial part of the transformation work I was doing. Um, mm -hmm. They were very much around kind of understanding the difference between um, uh, pipelining and, and how to make, and um, places like that. I need to come up with a whole new set for the new levels of transformation that need to occur. And I think one of them is going to be something around, you know, I have to come up with something catchy about what measurements are really for. Something Optimization. Like the measurement is to get better. Besides that, measurements are to get better. That sounds better than op optimization sounds cold. Yeah, sounds but like measure, measurement, you measure something so that you can improve it. And it's so funny. Like I was telling you before we started recording yeah. about this, this customer that I'm working with, and we have ungodly high open rates and click-through rates on all the campaigns that we're running for them to the point where I told them at the end of the year, I'm like, we are no longer reporting against industry average. We are reporting against historical average mm -hmm. because I need to be able to make develop insight and improvement based off what we are actually doing versus what the Joe Schmoes in the industry are doing. So expect us to expect me to sunset these industry average stats and expect me to start putting our focus on our averages. And if something is performing below our average, we have to find a way to optimize that. Because yeah. we've got to optimize exact optimization is for growth and getting better. I'm sorry, measurement is for growth and getting better. It's a bunch <laughs> optimization like, is too. <laughs> it is. It's true. It's all all true. But no. like that's the only reason I measure yeah. anything. I need to know how something did so I can either do the good parts again. Right. Or or stop doing the bad parts. Right. And go, oh, I don't, that didn't work for me. I, that's not what I didn't achieve, but I needed to achieve. Yeah, exactly. It is a, uh, um, 
Yeah, it's just an interesting space, and I and I see this. By the way, I mean, I it, I use this as a as a challenge I'm having, but as I talk to others who are doing work in this space, they're having the same conversations you're having as well, which is like, how do we start to move people to understand the the value of measures, what to measure, what 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 decisions can I make with Correct. the measurements in front of me? That's like really the piece I think that mm-hmm. we need to get people to too. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah. I got an I got another one for you. I also Go. think. I think that over the course of the last uh, two years, um, definitely over the last year, there's been a lot of talk about assessment in the recruitment space. I mm-hmm. think the conversation this year is going to turn to, um, okay, we're using assessments or we're thinking about assessments. How does assessments play into your recruitment marketing strategy? I like that. I could see that. Maybe yeah. that's just wishful thinking. Maybe that's my stretch goal. I think starting to think about these things that were asking of candidates um, how do they become value to drive actually our recruitment marketing effort so you used to say something um, not used to you still do um, in our in our early conversations about some of some of the intent of recruitment marketing and, and and part of it was this idea of having giving people enough information to be able to screen themselves out yeah yeah and I think if we start thinking along these lines it the idea of leveraging assessment not just for us to screen people out or in but for candidates themselves to screen themselves out or in becomes a value add to the recruitment marketing process well and that's pretty aligned with my last one that I had um, which is it's it's a two-parter around employer brand and EVP um, one to build off what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I think we are going to start seeing, and this is my stretch and my wishful thinking being exposed. I think we're going to start seeing more realistic branding, um, more true branding, um, an authentic branding. I hate all of those words other than realistic, um, because I think that they, I think that we've gone too far in the development of employer branding. Mm-hmm to paint these very aspirational pictures of work. It's freaking work, people. Um, <laughs> I know it's hard. You have to pay them to come. Oh, man. I pay thought it come. Was... And you're out there telling them, you know what? When you come, it's all sunshine and roses. I mean, we're just going to pay you. It's going to be easy we give and you super people. fun. That's right. We give you your very own unicorn who farts rainbows. It's like so yes. Fun. And you love him. His name yeah. is Jim. That's right. Right. That's yours right. Is, yours name is Jim. Exactly. Um, so all I I think <laughs> I hope I hope I wish that we see a little bit of a turning of the tide in employer branding to being one that is much more to your earlier statement screen in screen out mm-hmm. and and being okay with the fact that some people are not going to work out here. And I want to see fit. I hate fit. Uh-huh. I want to see fit more, turn more into belonging. Um, oh, I like be- that. Because I, when I, when somebody reads a great employer branded website, they are either going to feel like they would belong there or they don't. You know what? I love this. You just, so this is, you just gave me something that's my golden ticket for the day. Um, The idea of starting to use the word fit to belonging. So I was struggling with, I know there's been a lot of conversation about this idea of particularly in the culture space, the the difference between culture fit and culture ad, right? Mm -hmm. But 
what what challenged me with that one is this is constant assumption that you're always evolving a culture and you are but you also need people to be able to connect and to be able to thrive in the environment which you actually have and so this idea of belonging i think um really fits this idea that you can have a set of cultural tenets and include ideas like inclusion and all of these things and they can be they can be about how you find your best self in this environment as yes. well as help amplify this environment um, or bring new things to it and be the ad but you but it's not just about fit it's not just about ad i like that it's about belonging finding mm -hmm. your your sense of who you are within this world i yeah. love that and as it goes downstream we're gonna have to get there by doing more work around uh, expressing the brands of teams and job families. So yeah. we have, Intel has an overarching brand. We know what it means uh -huh. to work at Intel, right? You're going to uh -huh. do your, this is what it means to work there. Or at least we think we do because that's what you've told us it is. Um, but I working, swear it's just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but working in marketing and Intel is probably going to be different than working in, um, chip manufacturing, which is probably going to be a little bit different than your research teams. So I think that there's an opportunity to create a little bit more realism and a more sense of belonging around putting the effort around branding those teams and expressing the overarching brand as it ex exists for those teams. I Okay. So let's make my, my second win out of what you just said today. I think that is an interesting evolution of this idea of organizing pipelines, right? How candidates um, align and how we sort and organize candidates to be able to nurture them with the idea. And, and it has been about attraction and messaging in relationship to particular profiles or, or job families. But this really takes a step further and says, it's not just about tweaking the bigger message or or adding to the bigger message the uniqueness about a particular business group or why that particular why artificial intelligence teams are so cool it's really mm -hmm. about taking the essence of the corporate brand but figuring out what is what is the unique and differentiated brand about a business group yeah cool i yeah. like that that's a challenge i want to have I want to have that conversation yeah, to share. All my peeps out there thinking in the recruitment, marketing, and branding space at, at Intel, I think we should. That's a cool one. Think about that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Exactly. That's cool. See, aren't you feeling more energized? I See am. See all the cool stuff that's going to happen this year? I hope everybody uh, – this is either like our unique dream list because we just like are geeking in the corner. This is what we're thinking about. Or this stuff will start to, start to bubble up. But I think – these are all relevant conversations that will start to happen. And people may not use the exact words or say it the exact way we did, but I don't think we're alone in, in starting to play in some of these spaces or imagine them. I'm hoping others are. Oh. Yeah. I, I Let's love have these conversations. Yeah. Totally. What are we missing? I, you know what? I feel like we just set up our like uh, our next set of conversations for the next um for the next few weeks we've got a we've got a whole bevy of them that we think are hot topics we'll uh -huh. see what else other people think so that'll be cool awesome i love it
Oh, thank you, Tracy, for spending um, the last half an hour or so with me. I feel um, better. I'm, I, I feel do like too. I, I feel like I got it. I have some ideas. You you not only gave some some great podcast talk out there for the world, but as always, I left our conversation with a to do list for myself. So thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I usually don't like to assign work to other people, but you're welcome. Yeah. I, ca- I capture it myself. It's what, you know, you didn't really, I, I just looked at, heard it and took it. Cause you know, maybe it's, maybe I'm just um, identifying that I steal. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love it. Awesome. Great. Thanks very it. much. Thank you everybody. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for listening. That's another episode of the Recruitment Marketing Rebelcast. Tracy and I are excited to head into 2020, and we have a whole host of really fabulous topics to look forward to. We hope that you'll choose to join us. You know, you can get our podcast if you subscribe to us on iTunes, on Spotify, or on Podbean. We're available in all of those locations, RM Rebelcast. Um, You can reach out to us on Twitter, at our Rebelcast or directly to us at T Parsons or at Alyn Bailey. We look forward to hearing from you and hearing what you have to say um, about today's topics. What do you think is going to be all the buzz in the recruitment marketing space in 2020? We want to hear. We want to have those conversations with you. Have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you next week. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. out.